Voice Music Podcast, hosted by Kashmir. Welcome to the fourth episode of the second season of the Bass Music Podcast. First up today, we got a bunch of new music, and then we got an interview with Trait from Santa Fe. He's been DJing and producing electronic music since 2010. But first, I'll get you through this new music. First up is Alpha Transmission by Solopsist. It's out on Presently Lifted. You're listening to the bass music. We got Take Back by Misfit. (laughs) 
to the beat, take it back. To the beat, take it back. To the
Next up, we got a song from Heritage. It's called High Life. You ain't got this out of Ohio. Uh, the song is called Connector. It's out on Headbang Society. You're listening to the Bass Music Podcast with Cashman.
another Headbang Society premiere. This is Njix and Bromo Sapien. The song is called Rappin'. We got a song called I'm Not Alone from Fresh Stuff.
Next up, song is called Overburn by Liz Deck. Listening to the place music from Imanu and Kuka. It's called It's Our Destiny. It's our destiny, destiny.
This next one coming in, it is a remix of Muramasa's Lotus Eater. This is the Lizdeck remix. All right, enjoy. We got Exotics hit the Jalea remix. to the Bass Music Podcast with Cashmere.
We got Camna and Enox. Song is out on Headbang Society. It's called Cell Phone. Blowing up my cell phone. trick it's called badman tune here we go
We got Njix, Bromo Sapien, another one out on Headbang Society. This one is called The Knowledge.
listening to the Bass Music Podcast with Kashmir. one is out on mousetrap it is spore it's called let me be
Russian failure. of the upbeats all we've got i've been keeping my eye on night punk he has been crushing it all right here we go Oh my god 
next up lastly song off my new album i just dropped the album is called southern comfort the song is called chang noi This week, uh, next up is an interview with Trait. So, this is Cash, Cash Merrick of the Bass Music Podcast. 
And today we have on Adrian, a.k.a. Trait. Now, am I saying that correctly? Sure are. What's up, everybody? I'm Trait. All right. And you're from Albuquerque, correct? Uh, uh, sort of. Uh, so I'm, I grew up here in the Santa Fe area, and I'm actually back in Santa Fe right now. But I did live oh, nice. in Albuquerque for the last 10 years, you know, as I was, uh, you know, especially trying to uh, get into this music-making uh, community, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I totally understand moving around and getting, getting changing environments, whatnot. Have you, uh, have you noticed your creativity shift at all in any way with the move? Well, so it's kind of funny, and uh, I'll get into it, uh, you know, I guess a little bit later, but it yeah. has a lot to do with the pandemic, which is why I'm back in Santa Fe. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's uh, only been a good opportunity for me to be to able to try out a lot of new and different projects. So, you know, it's exciting. It's, it's very different um, coming back home now after you know a decade of living somewhere else but it's been really it, it, yeah it's, it's been really nice good man so how would you describe your music for the general audience so i do style? a lot of uh different styles honestly cool. um i uh i started out you know making dubstep and electro uh, got into a lot of house Recently, I've been going and trying to branch out even farther and, and just looking for a lot of people that are really experimenting and pushing boundaries and everything. And I try to emulate some of the same things that are going on as well. Um, so the um, the main thing is I like to take elements from different genres and repurpose them in different styles too. So it's all kind of mixed together. It's all kind of jumbled. But I feel like overall, there's a, a consistency that goes a lot uh, you know, around it. But even when I'm playing, I usually jump between genres, uh, even multiple times throughout my sets. Yeah. I respect it, man. Got it. You can't, can't uh, stay in one lane, you know? Gotta yeah, be open. definitely. That's just not who I am. <laughs> I respect people that, that can really do it, you know, and do it well. Uh, I do, I'm too. Definitely yeah. not, I don't consider myself... Uh, somebody that's locked into any particular genre. I just kind of like to make whatever I I feel like I I want to hear myself. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I have the attention span of a goldfish. <laughs> I jump around like that too, man. For sure. So, so have you had any recent gigs at all? So, um, I uh, I actually have gotten a lot of. Um, well, it's a couple of different things. So, uh, along with uh, Devox from your previous episode, I run yeah. Unidentified Media Group. Yes. And we basically have our uh, designated Twitch channel, which we do at least monthly shows. And we're actually coming up on our one-year celebration tomorrow on April 20th. So that's oh, awesome. uh, really exciting. Yeah, and happy bicycle day, by the way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Happy <laughs> bicycle day, man. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so that's been taking up a, a bunch of my time in the, the last year because I've been playing my own sets uh, you know, on the live stream and then also helping do all the visuals and everything like that, not just for my own, but for everybody else that goes along with it. Um, you know, Devox has been really great at, at running 
and managing like all of the artists and the streams and being able to uh, you know broadcast everything from his house and I try to do as much as I can uh, while I'm available over here. Now on the other side of it too, I'm also a drummer in a couple of local bands over here too. So oh, man, uh, we had to take some time off for the winter while you know COVID was piking up again. But uh, now that springtime is coming around, things are starting to open back up and we're uh, actually getting some live shows too. Uh, so that's that's pretty exciting stuff. So how do you balance it, uh, both creating for yourself personally, but also managing artists and and curating lineups and stuff? How do, how do you split your time up? To be fair, right now I've actually been able to. Um, well, I've had to really focus on uh, a lot of my own stuff. So uh, kind of part of my background, too, is um, when the pandemic started, I decided it was the perfect time for me to go back to school. Uh, oh, I was nice. working down for, uh, you know, a shop down in Albuquerque, which unfortunately had to close down. And so when I moved back home, it was, uh, you know, eight years since I had last taken any college classes i was originally going for graphic design but a lot of my classmates that i had were also involved with music uh, so this is about 10 years ago right uh, yeah. actually uh, 12 years ago at this point and so they were the first ones to give me fruity loops they were the first ones to set me up with uh, sample packs and some synthesizers and everything all and those computer nerds man yeah man i'm telling you <laughs> so now that uh you know i've come back over here i decided i've been making music for 10 years i i feel like i i need to try to pursue something that's closer to the things that i really enjoy doing especially because of the unidentified twitch stream that we've had going on so i actually started going back to school and uh trying to take audio production classes at this point so i'm just about finished up and right now that is honestly my priority right now. I want to be able to finish off my degree. So most of the artist management and stuff really has been handled by Devox. And like I said, I really, really appreciate the way that he stepped up and, and you know, helped grow this into such a huge thing. And as we, uh, you know, round the end of my school career over here and my degree, what I want to do is uh, become more involved with the, with the artist management part of it as well. So yeah. to answer your question about it, it's really, uh, it boils down to a lot of time and it has to deal with, um, you have to know what, what it takes time-wise to be able to complete projects. Um, yeah. Some of my, some of my uh, songs and releases and everything like that are, are sometimes years apart and it's just a matter of, I know what my vision is and I'm going to keep plugging away at it. But in the meantime somewhere in the middle of it I'll just decide oh you know what but I have an idea for a song and sometimes I can smack that out in a couple of days and it's like okay that one's already ready for me to post and mm -hmm. that goes for all different kinds of projects whether it be graphic design projects or the live stream like the flyers and all of the visuals and stuff like that that we have to make so uh, you know, it's it's really just a matter of I've I've been able to do enough and I have experience enough where I understand just about how much time things take and I just try to keep a very strict schedule with all of it. But I, I will tell it, you, it's very packed full. Yeah, <laughs> very busy, dude. Well, I appreciate you taking time out to speak with me. Yeah, of course. Um, I, uh, I'm actually really happy to be introduced to your channel too. I listened to the last uh, the last episode with Devox, and I really enjoy it. I, I look forward to yeah. being able to check out all the rest of your shows too. Thanks, man. Yeah, I try to keep it. Uh, it it is made for the 
the goldfish attention span there is constantly a music bed of some sort it is it is truly made by an artist for other artists that's awesome yeah so let me get into your musical beginnings man what was the role of music in your early life so this is actually a question that has uh it's a little bit of a long story and there's kind of a lot of different parts to it but uh i i play a lot of different instruments uh my main ones are drums bass and guitar uh like i mentioned i play drums in a couple of cover bands over here um but i i started playing guitar and bass in church my parents are very very musically involved as is my whole family like everybody in my family plays an instrument or sings or does something with music and oh, that's yeah. uh, even extended family and everything yeah um so uh, you know, basically, that was my first introduction was playing music in church when I was growing up. And uh, so I started playing. Oh, and then uh, I, I played concert drums also in elementary school and all the way through high school and everything. By the end, I was the pretty much the only timpani player, like actual timpani player in New Mexico. Holy um, cow. Because there would be some drummers that would go and they would play the timpani. But I was like, no, these are my instruments. Like, I, I play these things. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, you know, I had an amazing uh, band teacher through school, Richard Snyder. Uh, huge shout out to him. Uh, huge shout out to my parents to be able to help kind of put me in the right uh, position to be able to start my musical journey also. So oh, yeah. uh, I started playing guitar at 11. I started playing bass at 14. And after uh, high school, after I graduated, like I mentioned, some of my classmates actually got me into beat making and uh, got me set up with all my programs and everything like that. So, nice. uh, shortly after that, I made the decision to move from Santa Fe to Albuquerque, and I joined up with a DJ producer group called Duke Step, uh, short for Duke City Dubstep. And there's another shout out for my buddy Derek, who was the one who, uh, you know, really got me down and got me interested. And I was playing, uh, DJing at a, a hookah bars and stuff like that uh, with my oh, yeah. buddy from high school under the agency. He and I would you know make a whole bunch of songs together and uh you know we'd play out on the uh you know i'd say the mesa so up in the mountains we would have uh, little uh you know private rave parties and stuff so we would go dj those we would go oh, dj yeah. house parties all around albuquerque we we had those couple hookah lounges and eventually got residency in a couple of venues around town too nice. and um not long after that even uh we uh this is around like the 2010s and okay. at that time there was Betamorph recordings. I don't know if you remember them or if, uh, or if any of your listeners remember Betamorph recordings, but okay. this was a, a dubstep record label that was based out in LA and we uh, had a connection through one of the guys from Duke step to Betamorph and the guy who runs it, Deej uh, moved out to Albuquerque and I started working for him for his vape shop and he taught me a lot about the music industry because he had signed a bunch of artists. He had Liquid Stranger on his label and 12 Planet on his label and Holy had a, cow. a, you know, yeah, a huge, huge uh, influence. Uh, and, you know, he mentored me over the years and he and I are still really, really tight, uh, thankfully enough. And so uh, he even got me onto uh, Ill Gates' producer dojo where I learned a lot more. He was one of the uh, yeah. main forces you, of me getting back can, to school. You graduated from there. Yeah, definitely. It's I mean it's really good. And so he was he was another really big influence on 
on all of this. And uh, that's actually how I met uh, D-Box too, because he and I worked uh, with Deej early on when the shop was just opened up. And, you know, after some years and everything like that, D-Box and I teamed up and started running the uh, Unidentified Twitch channel. So, and like I said, it's been a real long journey uh, over, over many, many years. And it's been really fulfilling and really exciting. And, you know, it's, it's cool to be a part of something that, uh, you know, I feel is actually making a difference. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Built from the ground up over a long time. Totally. That's, that's an amazing story, dude. Uh, Thanks. I, it's wild starting from the church background, how you can eventually end up in the, the mountain raves. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. There was a, yeah, I don't know exactly how that connected, but it it definitely did. It's been, it's been really fun. That's awesome. So do you remember your first uh, concert ever? Uh, My first concert that I ever went to was James Brown. It was his last concert. I saw him literally like six months before he died. Holy Uh, smokes. Yep. He came over to uh, Santa Fe. So this was back in 2006, I think. And... Um, you know, for okay, he was in his seventies, right? He was yeah. months away from death's door, and man, I have never seen a performance like that ever, man. He, I mean, like, it, 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 as the, my first concert, man, he ran that thing. Uh, he he was up there for probably like two hours straight and never stopped the entire time that he was on stage. It was insane. Oh my god, <laughs> I am jealous. My, yeah, it was crazy. My first one was a good one, but it wasn't a James Brown. My first concert was Rush. It's got to you see, sing. okay, so so Neil Peart is like one of my. I mean, you know, everybody says, okay, well, your favorite oh. drummer, Neil Peart, was his favorite drummer, and he was my favorite drummer, definitely, hundred uh-huh. percent. Dude, he <laughs> was on the three hundred sixty degree drum set with yeah. one half was a regular drum set, but the other half was electronic sample pads. Oh man, dude! But yeah, I, it's just the best watching people in the crowd try to air drum with them. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing everybody was doing. Just and uh, yeah, definitely rest in peace, Neil. Because uh, I unfortunately never got a chance to see Rush live. So yeah. that's also like a phenomenal concert too. I would love to see that. Well, what was your first rave ever? When did when did that cherry get popped? Well, so, uh, again, this is back uh, my my end of high school career, like the late 2000s. And we, uh, what we usually did, we listened to a lot of like uh, Rusko and Caspa at Borgo, Hatcha, uh, you know, Scream. And we, um, what we would do is we would just have house parties and everything like that. And then there would be that one room in the back of the house where all the lights were off. And there would be maybe just a couch in there. And we'd have a big old sub. And people would just go and glove and play with glow sticks and lights and stuff. And so that was like the, my introduction to it. And it was so strange. It was so surreal, you know, the, the, the yes. weird kind of music. I remember listening to it being like, what are we listening to? Like, this is amazing. <laughs> and so, and this was, uh, you know, before I actually even started making this music. And so uh, my early, my first couple years in college, I would come down to Albuquerque a bunch to visit my friends and we would go to shows uh, at El Rey Theater. So I don't remember exactly my first big 
uh, you know, concert like that. But it was sure it was probably Stevie Oki, or it was probably Skrillex, or it was probably uh, Bass Nectar. Like some of these were some of the early ones that I I remember seeing right in that like early 2010s range. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, yeah. I want to get into producing. Um, sure. So what? What DAW did you start with, and what did you eventually end up, what are you using now? So I started off with uh, FL Studio. Uh, I think it was uh, FL9 when I started. Okay. And uh, I actually still use Fruity Loops mainly today. Uh, so, you know, obviously nice. we're at FL20 now. Uh, I think fl is coming out pretty soon, wow. something like that. And um, uh, early on... Uh, because it was me and another guy that were making music together. He had a MacBook, I had a PC. So I made stuff on Fruity Loops and we made stuff on his computer with Logic Pro. And yeah, so buddy. I had a little bit of bouncing back and forth between the two programs. And then um, recently, at, within the last two, three years, I started branching out into uh, Ableton Live and into Reason. I also got a little bit of experience in Pro Tools just because of school and everything like that. Um, got to and what I found out is I still primarily enjoy using Fruity Loops just because uh, you know of all of the the time that I've put into using it but I also respect uh, Ableton greatly because it's been able to help me figure out more situations where I can incorporate live instrumentation rather than just Uh, uh, programming beats you know what I'm saying yes totally yeah two totally different wheelhouses different yeah. potentials yeah. and i i know that there's always um you know there's brand loyalty and there there are kind of like daw wars that, oh, that usually go yes. around you can see people debate it till the end of time and i've never really felt like there is a bad daw right like i even started yes. making music you know just like little recorded songs on guitar and stuff in garage band you know garage it was, band it was fine yeah buddy um, you know, I'm, and uh, you know, there's. It just uh, it depends on the capabilities that you have as an artist to be able to use whatever that you use. And so, yes. like I said, I like Fruity Loops for most of my stuff, but I do like Ableton for a lot of my other stuff too. And I don't really think that there's a better or worse DAW in that kind of situation. It's just like, what are your preferences? What are you How, comfortable with? How exactly. do you navigate the programs? You know, exactly. It comes down to how much time you put in mastering your tool. Definitely. Definitely. So do you have a favorite synthesizer? I've got a couple of them. Um, it's It mostly kind of circles around either Serum or Silent One. Uh-huh. But I also like to use a lot of the stuff that's just built into uh, Fruity Loops. Like, I really like the capabilities of Harmer. Um I'm able to kind of experiment more with that one than I am with some of my other sounds. And while I can't necessarily, I feel um, design sounds as um, efficiently maybe or maybe as, um, you know, as much as I would want to or am able to in Silent or Serum, um, you know, I'm still able to create really interesting effects that add a lot into my tracks. Yeah. But... Um, you know, especially as all of us do, you spend hours and hours and hours and hours on YouTube watching tutorials, breaking down these presets, right? And so uh, some of them I definitely use more proficiently than others. But, uh, 
the, another recent one that I really got into is Vital, which oh, kind of yeah. surprised me for Mr. For Bill's being project. A, yeah, I mean, a free synth, and it's like a, a really, really impressive synth. Yeah. And uh, so I haven't been able to dive really deep into that one because of, you know, just focus on other stuff right now. But but I look forward to kind of exploring that one a little more. And I've been able to pick up a couple extra sample packs and stuff just to play around with. But, but that there one's a lot go. of fun to be able to play around with, too. Yes. It's always exciting when there's a new synth to play with. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you have any uh, sound design techniques you'd be willing to give up? Well, I feel like, you know, uh, it's understanding how your song is built. And mm-hmm. uh, there, there's something, like when I started, I liked to make songs that were really, really full. Uh, I loved me some yes. super saw sounds and some yes. really grating or clicky basses and some really powerful drums. And one of the hardest lessons that took me years to realize was that if you want something to be powerful, you have to set it apart from all of the other elements inside your track. The all-powerful space. Yes, yes, you utilize your space. A metaphor that I like to tell people is, like, imagine you're, uh, like you're, you're, you're watching a, a room and floor-to-ceiling is your frequency range and you... Uh, are trying to fill the room with sand, right? And you have to have just the the right amount to be able to get everything and make them make them all come out and be up front. But you have to realize that there are some parts that, if you know, if my room is already floor to ceiling, I have to take away from other elements within my track to be able to fill in what I really want to put into there. Yes. Um. So that's I think one one big part and. It's uh, it's tricky because you have to visualize what your song is going to be as it is in a spectrum, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know, apart from that, what I what I really like to do is uh, you know, when it comes to making like a good bass sound, uh, I've started just designating. Okay, I have a sub that's just going to live in my sub range, and nothing else is going to live inside that range. Maybe my kick drum, but it's not really that important. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have my my layered bass, so that's like my mid-range bass, and usually what I like to do is I'll add on a bunch of the overtone harmonics. Uh, some of my most effective basses are some of my simplest basses, in my opinion, yeah. where it's Isn't that just a sine wave <laughs> at like a low range. You know, you got you got um, your your uh, maybe three octaves up and seven semitones up, so you use those use those fifth steps and those seventh steps uh, when you're layering a bass and then just filter those out and be able to play around with your frequency as you go along with your track make real long gradual changes um, and you know I use a lot of chopping I use a lot of I, I try not to like copy and paste but I'll, I'll keep continuing certain aspects and I'll keep transitioning them over longer periods of time and I feel like it, it ties things together a little bit more efficiently oh yeah well, that's some awesome tips, man. Um, so, what is your creative process like? Could you run through that? Yeah, usually, uh, what one of the biggest things that always starts it off is I'll just get a melody in my head. I'm sure all of us understand that sort of thing. You're just walking around, and all of a sudden, you just notice, like, hey, I'm breathing in this way, and it just sounds like this, and then you get that, that oh, yeah. little thing stuck in your head. Um, 
So usually what I do is I just start with a real simple idea uh, and and I'll just put it into my DAW real quick. Or maybe it'll be a drum beat. Like I'm like, okay, well, I want to make something that's like a breakbeat thing. So I'll just do something real quick. And, um, you know, I just start playing around with things. You know, you just sit there. Okay, so I have this melody and I need to find a synth. At this point, I've done enough of it where I'm like, this is probably going to be a serum sound or this is probably going to be a silent sound or... Um, or you know you're just trying to pick something and just kind of going through presets unless there's something very specific that I can um, you know come up with usually I'm, I'm trying to feel it out and seeing oh okay well so I have this 8 bar loop now that sounds great so now I'm going to clone that sound and I'm going to move it to the next 8 beats and I'm going to change the synth right. and uh, you know just add on all of these building elements and uh, you know, it's it's uh, at this point it usually gets a little back and forth, right? Uh, I try not to get stuck on um, an eight bar loop. I try to make what I call a scaffold. So, like, you imagine a building that's getting built, and you see all the scaffolding that's around the building. It's not exactly the building, but it's a really good layout to show you where it's gonna all gonna fit. Right. So after I get a few of my elements together or at least some of the main stuff that I want on my track, then I move on to my scaffolding and I try to set up what is the song going to do? Especially because I like to try to make a song that starts differently the way that it ends. So I need to make sure that the the transition or like the journey between your intro and your outro of your track uh, makes some kind of logical sense. That's an interesting way of uh, making music. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like it. I like it. I think I need to incorporate that more in mine because I'm always of the method of, oh, I got to make the outro sound like the intro. Yeah, it's a, it's, well, so it's a personal decision because, uh, you know, you don't necessarily listen to the same song at the beginning of your set as the end of your set. Uh, Right. And, I, I just try to make that macrocosm into each of my songs too. And sometimes it'll work and sometimes it won't. It just depends on what what's the point of your song, right? Yeah. Like what are you trying to do with it? And so, you know, how setting up that scaffold is, uh, in my opinion, a really good way to be able to make those really good decisions without needing a bunch of elements inside your track. Yeah, I really and once like you that, have that scaffold, analogy. Yeah, definitely. Because then once you once you have that that outline set up for yourself, then you can go and you can embellish as much as you want. You know, like now you're decorating your house. You know what I'm saying? You're getting all of these different um, elements and everything that you can fit into that outline, and still make everything very cohesive. Right. So I uh, uh, go ahead. Oh yeah. So I I recently started. Um, you know, doing all my own mixes and masters, which I that's had exactly what I was going to ask from. you next. <laughs> oh yeah, perfect. So, uh, so honestly, for for years, I stayed away from it, and the reason why is because I had a couple of real good friends that uh, taught me, or at least would show me. Like I would, I would give them a song to mix and master, and they would show me how they would do it. And they also gave me a lot of tools and a lot of information about it, and I was honestly overwhelmed, and I. Uh, I made the decision. Look, I if I do this, it's going to basically replace all of my my uh, energy that I've had for the creative process. Yeah. So 
initially I chose not to go into mixing and mastering. I knew I had uh, close friends that I could rely on to be able to do that for me and help them out by, you know, throwing some ducats their way while they work on my stuff. Oh, yeah. But um, now that I've actually gone through the classes and everything like that, I've started to pay a lot more attention to the mixing and mastering process myself, which now that I've gotten into it, I've um, kind of coming back the other direction. I now make different decisions about the instruments that I include inside my songs now that I'm doing my own mixing and mastering. Oh, interesting. Uh, I know the kinds of things, like I know where I want to place my instruments. And so I I have noticed I, I've changed the way that I make music within the last couple of years compared to when I first started making music in that way. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's crazy the subtleties you figure out when you start really mixing your own stuff. Yes, absolutely. And for anybody that's like trying to get into it and you don't necessarily know, you know, what what to do or how to start, what I would really encourage you to do is see if you can find um, you know, unfortunately I I really wish I I knew what it was right off the uh, top of my head, but there are resources that you can go and you can download uh, music from all different kinds of genres and artists and everything like that. And you're a bit essentially getting all their stems and that's what I would practice on. And it uh, wouldn't necessarily be electronic music, but it just kind of helps you understand like what what are the things that they're actually recording in these tracks? Like what what's the end product comprised of? And getting some of those visuals was really helpful for me to be able to understand what kinds of things that I need to put into my own tracks, right? And and really get it down to the, the minimum uh, amount that's required to make that thing. So I don't have overblown or overproduced product projects that just never seem to get finished. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. <clears throat> All right. Well, to get away from producing, because I don't like to be overbearing with the non-producer listeners... Um, yeah. What what when you're not listening to electronic music, what's something else that you're listening to? You know, I I'm really grateful for all of our streaming services these days. Like I got a Spotify uh, account because I I go and I just listen to albums and albums and albums and albums of all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um I'm in a so the two bands that I'm in are cover bands. It's a lot okay. of uh, Latin rock, uh, blues, some pop uh, so I'm I'm constantly listening to new stuff to see what kind of things that we can incorporate into our into our mixes. Um, I uh, I listen to a lot of 70s rock. In my opinion, oh, that's yeah. some of the best music that's out, that's out there, man. Like yeah, 70s dude. rock is, is so great. <laughs> something um, was in the water. Yeah, dude, something was in the water for sure. And it was probably psychedelic. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, they. Uh, uh, um, I listen to a lot of uh, left field bass is, is one of my favorite ones when it's like the electronic kind of stuff. But yeah. I also like folk, like Fleet Foxes, or I like... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I started getting into bluegrass. I don't even really like country music. And I know that that's like infamously the one that people really stay away from when they're in the electronic community. But uh, <laughs> no, man, there's I, some really good bluegrass out there. <laughs> I feel it, man. I, I feel it. There's a lot. It, it's coming to the forefront in electronic music now, though. Like yeah. a lot of people are, there's a lot of guitar players starting to incorporate yes. their own their own sampling, their own guitar work. Uh, the mm-hmm. twang is infiltrating. 
<laughs> the twang is infiltrating. I feel it, man. And it's and and I've actually seen a lot of people do it really, really successfully. Oh my gosh, why, yeah. Um, you know, I feel like it's great to be able to have those outlets for us to be able to to incorporate more of our live stuff because we had uh, a really you know long period of time a whole decade where it was actually even more than a decade at this point where it's like only djs that you go see now yep but that that wheel is starting to turn back you know and you're starting to get more performances where people are are actually you know involved uh with their music too and you know that's that's what i'm trying to kind of steer back even for myself like incorporating a lot more of that performance well yeah that's like a novelty now to see somebody playing a real instrument (laughs) Right, <laughs> like a uh, ancient ancient knowledge now. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but uh, what what's your uh, your favorite gig you've ever played? Uh, my favorite gig effects uh, nightclub over in Albuquerque. One of my favorites was Jerry Folk. Hell uh, yeah! So I opened up for him and. I I had just finished off uh, my Interstellar Journey album and it was really, really spacey, future bass kind of stuff. Yeah. And I listened to a lot of Jerry Folk and he has that future bass kind of stuff and I was like, this is going to be perfect. And so, you know, that whole route, there, there are three floors that affects in Albuquerque oh, and dang. the rooftop is like a 600 person rooftop, just fully flush and everything like that with Holy all this great smoke. setup. And I had that whole place full and everybody was bumping to all of my music and I was like, dude, oh this is gosh. it. This is like... <laughs> This is the I actual made show it. Where I'm actually doing this. I made it, man. <laughs> yeah, it was great. That was a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. Um, what is the biggest problem you've encountered in the journey of music? You know, motivation is a really big difficulty. Um, yes. One of the things that when people ask you, what do you do? Our first inclination is to say, oh, well, I work here or I work there. But my inclination was to tell people I'm a musician, I'm a DJ, I'm a producer, and I have a day job at so-and-so. Yes. So I I really had to, and I constantly uh, purposely told people that so that I knew myself, yo, I'm a musician first, and then I just have a job to be able to pay the bills. Um, there have been times where I couldn't keep that work and music balance and work became so overwhelming and and honestly I had to walk away from from a very good paying job uh, that was that had great benefits great people to work with and it was taking up so much of my life that I would come back home and I would sit at my computer and I would just stare at my screen and I couldn't even make anything yeah and so at that point it was like I I understand what I want to do. I wonder. I want to actually try to explore some some things deeper than this. So I literally just had to just walk away from it. Wow! And I think it was one of the biggest decisions, but also one of the best decisions that I've made. Yeah, that's that's so tough to really find your find your own way of making the money work and establishing a balance i i totally respect you walking away and 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 admire you because that is really hard to do thanks yeah it's a hustle man and it's you know like i said it's it's you have to make really really important decisions if you if this is the kind of thing that you want to go after because um 
I've been involved with this for over a decade, and I feel like like it's finally starting to to go somewhere and be be something substantial and some something significant, you know? Yeah, it only and, took ten years. Yeah, <laughs> and so you know, it's it's hard to find that motivation to keep going sometimes. And I've been there, man. I've been there many times. I've I've wanted to quit. I actually have quit. Yeah, you know, multiple times over the years, you know. Yep. But it keeps calling me back, man. It keeps pulling it's me. It's like in. an itch you can't scratch all the way it keeps exactly. it keeps coming back exactly. in the back of your mind get on yeah. get on fl get on fl <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> so what is the best sound system you've ever played on that is a good question i think the best one that i've played is um i think it was a pk sound system Oh yeah, buddy. Might have been, yeah. I think it was PK. I don't think it was Hennessy, because uh, the guy who got in the Hennessy sound around my area uh, just got it within the last couple of years. So yeah, I think it was a PK one. Uh, it wasn't a huge sound system, but we uh, have annual party in the parks down in Albuquerque by yeah. UNM campus, and uh, you know, so we have multiple people, multiple artists that go and play for like an all day event, and they set up a couple of different stages inside uh, the park and and it was a pretty large park and this this sound system filled that whole park so beautifully wow. and it was it was a lot of fun to play on that one too just because it was uh, it was outdoors it's in the middle of the day great weather and everything like that and you know we were able to just kind of go and vibe out it was it was awesome oh, that's awesome man um well I don't have many more questions for you um what what kind of stuff you you already sent me a mix uh, i haven't listened to it yet because uh, i want to be as surprised as the audience um so for sure you want to talk to us a little bit about what your mix is like so this one is going to be a little bit different than most of the stuff that you're used to hearing on this show All just right. gonna put that out there right away but uh all everything that you're going to hear is original tracks by myself. Awesome. So that's all I. We care are going to go man. into awesome. a lot of different areas. We're going to play some house beats. We're going to play some, you know, kind of like dubstepy bass. We're going to put a little drum and bass in there. Oh, There's going to be yes. lots of weird stuff coming your way too. <laughs> that's awesome, man. I actually put. I actually because I always play like an hour of new music at the beginning. Um, there was actually some bass house tracks that I included this week, so that's perfect, actually. Awesome. So, all right, man. Well, you got you got any uh, plugs you want to plug? Any any shows coming up? Or any collabs? Anything? Any new projects you're yeah. dropping soon? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, everybody listening, you got to check out Unidentified Media Group. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch. Uh, it's Unidentified MG. You're going to be able to find us anywhere. We have our. Uh, I, I know it's probably going to be. Uh, the, this show right now is probably going to be after our one year show, but uh, we have at least monthly shows. We're trying to go weekly or bi-weekly uh, for the next coming months, especially during the summertime. We also have a New Beginnings collaborative EP that's with uh, myself and several other artists all around the country awesome. that we're putting out also this month, which is really exciting. So uh, you're going to want to check that out for like our Bandcamp page. I think we're going to be posting that one on all of our streaming platforms shortly as well. 
And you can find all of my stuff pretty much on every website that there is by looking <laughs> up Trait Music. That's T R A T E Music. And, uh, you know, I've got uh, stuff on my YouTube channel where I do a lot of one man band covers. Oh, I also do a lot of gear nice. reviews. Uh, and I have uh, SoundCloud, which I'm honestly not on anymore, but you can hear a lot of my music from there. I'm on Audius, Bandcamp, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Like I said, you'll find me anywhere. You know, I I did a little digging and I found your Chromatech remake. Your remake. I liked it. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Uh, so that okay. Just so really quick, what uh, uh, what I really like to do is. I find songs that I really like myself and I try to recreate them as closely as I can. That is an excellent practice. Just based on whatever practice. knowledge that I like. So that's that's exactly, it was a Reddit post that, that uh, Cashmere's referring to where I was like, well, I'll just go ahead and remake the song because it's it's also a good tool for me to be able to teach people. Yes. And uh, so I show them how I put it together and, and that one kind of, you know, got a lot of attention. That was pretty exciting <laughs> yeah, too. But. No wonder why. But yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, awesome, man. Thank you so much, Adrian, for coming on. I appreciate it. Definitely. Thank you so much as well. I appreciate it. You're listening to the Bass Music Podcast with Cashmere.
music
Music Podcast.